Hello and welcome to the High Wide and Handsome podcast, episode 5. This week we had Football Index Manager on, who uh, is a great guy. Uh, he's from not too far from I am from in the north and we sound very similar, at least to you people who maybe aren't from the north of Ireland or Ireland itself. You might find it hard to tell us apart. So uh, I forgive you if you think he's me or I'm him at any stage. Let us know if that becomes an issue because that's hilarious. Um it was really good to have him on. He has a relatively small portfolio compared to the likes of Big Don, who was on last week. And I think it's important to vary it up the size of the portfolios of people who come on for maybe the newer traders to relate. Because um, I know it can be hard if you have a portfolio of 100 quid to relate to someone who has a 300k portfolio. So Football Index Manager came on. He told us a bit about his trading strategies his journey so far we talked a lot of stuff about the recent ipo scandal the upcoming announcements we talked about a lot of interesting stuff it's one of my favorites so far and uh, we had really good fun Uh, i hope you enjoy it let me know if you do let me know if you don't and uh, happy monday (laughs) have a have a great week Now with uh, football index manager, otherwise known as Connor. How are you, Connor? Not too bad. Thanks very much for having me on the podcast. Oh no, it's it's my pleasure. Absolutely, I've been looking forward to speaking to you for a while. Um, before we go any further, I'd say a lot of people probably haven't heard of you or know much about your your index journey as such. Would you Would you like to tell us a bit about how you get into it, and I don't know how long you've been at it, and big big points in your your journey. Yeah, well, I suppose, um, so I've only started the kind of Twitter and uh, YouTube side of it in the last, probably actually just the last month, really. It's probably coming up to a month. But in terms of Football Index, I joined back in October of last year. So I've been on, that's coming up now to eight, eight, eight nine months. Um, so I, I work with a very small budget, um, as I'd imagine a lot of new traders do. So I just put in £50 at the start. Uh, use that as a way to get to know the market, see how it worked, um, got all the mistakes out of the way with that first £50. Um, because of that, I actually did drop, I think the lowest I dropped down to was £45, so like a 10% drop. Um, but once I felt like I had a gist on how the market works and just the way to play it, put in our £50, um, so a total of £100, which is all I have in at the minute deposited, um it's really more of a really sort of addictive hobby for me at the minute yeah um but anyway so it's a hundred pound total deposit and at the minute i'm sitting at just over 160 so over 60 percent profit albeit i will say though i got a random referral there on twitter some new guy so i gave him a code so i got a free tenor there which Going by my budget is uh, yeah, ten, ten, a rise of ten percent in profit. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's kind of handy that the referrals are ten percent. But um, yeah, so fifty percent profit kind of worked through my own trades, and then I got another ten percent there through a referral. But even at that, I was I'm very happy with the fifty percent profit. You know, over what is it eight to nine, eight to nine months? Yeah, um, and then yeah, and then since that, I. I started uh, basically just at the end. It's, it's around this date in June, so roughly just a month ago. Started both my 
the Twitter profile um, and the YouTube channel. Um, the Twitter profile was more, you know, to kind of help promote the YouTube channel, but I'm almost like, I, I love the, the, there's a great community on Twitter, you know, as you're aware. Um, obviously there's lots of people you should be avoiding, but the more yeah. time you spend on it, the, the, you can quickly identify who those people are, but absolutely really, really great community. You know, there's, um, some great knowledge, some great experience through So I'm really enjoying the Twitter side of things. So both of those have just been on for the last month and I've been just putting out a lot of content and yeah, it's only a month, but I've actually, yeah, there's over, over 400 followers on Twitter and over a hundred subscribers. So it's, it's, I started really, really well. I'm really, yeah. really chuffed. It's great. I actually find it very, because I'm obviously very similar to you. I, I only started this, I think at the end of June, mm. that's probably a similar time frame, is it? Yeah, it would be, yeah. In June, yeah. I, I found it very quick, the uptake of people. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't plateau, which it probably will, but people are very supportive, and I think it just shows the lack of content that is out there. Whenever something new comes up, people pounce on it. Yeah. Um, well, you see, the like the exponential growth just on Football Index alone, you know, I remember they put out that picture um, a few months ago, and it showed the growth over the last three years. Um and the, the amount of active traders, you know, it's exponential, the growth, you know. So the platform, as we all know, is growing at a rapid rate. So just for like our ourselves, you know, only starting a month ago, you know, we're probably starting at a good time on social media because it is just, it's booming. And there's a lot more people asking about it. So I think there's a great demand for the type of content we're doing. Absolutely. That's kind of what made me do it. I think if this had been a long established thing, I'd have been more hesitant because I would have felt like it was impossible to maybe compete with the already established people but i think because the future is so bright i, f- I kind of felt there was an opportunity there and no i completely I mean, agree we're convincing other people to do it here and say some more competitors <laughs> but the way i look at it there's more than enough room for everyone at the end of the day the more content i do the better because everyone it's, it's, people are starved of football index um specific content you know you can you can listen and watch other things that might be very relevant to football and analysis but maybe they're not exactly just football index but yeah like particularly um like i did say there i started the twitter after um youtube it was it was particularly on youtube there's there's really not a lot of people doing videos on football index like everyone would be very familiar with football index guide um he Mm. would be kind of the main guy out there on youtube and he's been doing it for a couple of years but in terms of people regularly uploading, there really is not that many. There's only a handful. Um, so it, there's there's a lot of room for growth there on YouTube. And then, as we know, YouTube is just growing massively itself. Oh, it's, mental, it's, it? re- it's replacing TV for a lot of people. It's yeah, it's just getting massive. So the growth on that alone as well, there's a lot of r- room. Absolutely. You mentioned there you've 100 quid in your portfolio. And I actually seen that um, when I was looking at your one of your videos. And I find that it's very interesting. And that's another reason why I wanted to have you on because what I always say to people, I had I actually just recorded before this next week's episode, um, mm. strangely enough, uh, because I'm going to Berlin for a week. But he was asking me about how much would you need to put in because he's not an FI guy. He's It's like a fantasy Premier League special, what I'm doing. He's asking how much would you need to put in to actually get something back. And my friend, two nights ago, I was playing PlayStation, I was chatting away to him, and he was saying, how much do I need to put in to get something back? It seems to be a very common question. And I was sort of saying, it's it's your ROI that matters. It's your yeah. return on investment. Because like, whether you put in 100 quid and you have 160, that's incredible. 
But if you're someone who has a lot of money there and confidence in the product or whatever, and you stick a hundred grand in and make 160 grand, mm. you know, it's, it's equally as impressive. And the other thing I think is what I'd be very interested to maybe pick a lure brain about is that people often, I, th- I feel there's a bit of a difference between trading when you have a huge portfolio and money, because compared to maybe trading with a lower budget, because if you have the lower budget, you maybe wouldn't focus on like premium assets as much, maybe like your pocket was in Neymar's. Am I correct there? It's yeah. It's one of those ones where, yeah, well, what you said there about focusing on the, the percentage, the return of investment, that is, yeah. D- don't be focusing on the, the monetary value of the pounds, you know, coming in. Cause a lot of the time, you know, I might make a, five pound profit from a trade like that is nothing <laughs> in the grand scheme of things especially to the big traders but um you know for me that's that's a five percent profit on a trade and um, endorphins that come with that i'd say exactly yeah so i think huge yeah and as you say a lot it is a very common question people wondering what they can start off off with and another thing is like i so i started before the share split so whenever yeah. i put in my first 50 pound you know, some of the prices were even higher, you know, so I, I didn't even look at players, you know, like Neymar, there was, there was just no way of getting them. Um, I do think, yeah, like, especially because a lot of people, so one difference I've kind of found between maybe someone putting in, let's just say for argument's sake, a hundred thousand and then myself putting in a hundred. Um, I'd say that the, the people with those big, big sums of money, I'd imagine that they would be quite happy to invest in a lot of the premium players um, and just see the the influx of dividends just keep coming in each like on a daily or weekly basis. Whereas I'd imagine a lot of beginners, you know, well, myself anyway, it, it is a, it's a hard, it's a hobby, you know, I'm putting in just a hundred pound, but I have like dreams of turning this hundred pound into a thousand pound. Um, and if you're focusing then on growth, like I am, yeah, you're probably going to have less of the premium players and more of the players that can maybe give you a return within a month or within six months or within just the season. Yeah. Because um, there's obviously the whole argument, which probably shouldn't be an argument because obviously diversification is key, maybe. But maybe in a smaller portfolio, you wouldn't be diversifying between your dividend winners as much. Um that's a little confusing what I'm saying. Like you might focus almost entirely on potential youth prospects or undervalued players mm. and just wait for the capital appreciation rise more than dividends. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, like whenever it did start in fairness, um, you know, I was, I was concentrating more on short term flips. Um, and it, it wasn't until maybe three to four months into the, yeah, I think it was around when I put in my second hundred, or sorry, my second fifty to take it up to a hundred. That's when I put a few shares into Raheem Sterling, for example. Um, mm. so he's my biggest hold at the minute. I've recently bought a few shares in Messi. So bar those two, you know, Messi for the PB and MB, and yeah, Raheem Sterling's a real long term hold for me. I've literally me I've, too. I've barely any worries about him. I just think literally, you see, if he played for Man United, he would tick every single box nearly for me um so you know he would that would just drive up his media but we've seen he's got a bit more media friendly there um off the back of the kind of being the spokesperson almost for the racism thing yeah i um, noticed that but so him and Massey, 
you know, I'm trying to get some dividends through them, Raheem Sterling, you know, more so over a two or three year period. But so after those two, everybody, I try to make a conscious effort that they fall under two pound, preferably under 150. Um, because it's with those, the rest of those players, which might make up 50 to 75% of my portfolio. It's there where I'm concentrating on growth. Um, as I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build up this 100 pound as much as I can. And I think just every few months, some of that money might go into Sterling or Messi or maybe a new sort of dividend earner. But yeah, for smaller budgets, I would recommend, you know, at least half of your portfolio is put into kind of shorter term holds that can build up your portfolio value. Yeah, as just it sounds like we're pumping sterling but as i've said (laughs) before we'll talk about everyone and obviously i'm gonna have my favorite player it's only fair and as the host of the show he might be mentioned more than others but don't buy if you don't like him but i've I've said recently like sterling is my biggest hole i just think i i actually don't get why he's not already priced higher yeah me neither i think when i look at him compared to some of the other players up the top of the market i'm gonna just yeah where is he he last time i checked fifth Fifth, yeah. Well, I mean, when you put it that way, I suppose there's only Neymar, Pogba, Mbappe, and Sancho ahead. I kind of get that. I mean, Sancho, I don't really get why Sancho's more expensive. I know there's the whole potential for him to get a transfer back to the Premier League and he'll go boom, but... Yeah. It's like interest if you look at it's like Sterling, um, like when you look at his one-year graph, for example, um, the past three to four months, maybe he has been bouncing in around that five-pound valuation. Mm. So it, you know, to me, that all shows that there's stability there. Um, you know, I can only see it going up. You know, like I think Raheem Sterling could be one of the kind of, you know, he could be in the top three or one number one or two in maybe three years' time, for example. Yeah. I feel the same. I mean, I've we'll get we'll get more into I suppose individual yeah players and stuff a bit further on. Um, but I mean, in terms of my, we're gonna we'll get on to it because we'll talk about preparing for next season and stuff. In fact, we could do that now. What what's your kind of current strategy and your how are you preparing for next season? So, um, like it is, a, it's a diverse kind of mixed strategy. Um, I have pretty much prepared my portfolio for. Um, for the new season, I I had bought a few people, you know, for the summer transfer, the media madness. So that was my first. This is my first summer on football index yet. Um, so I did I did overall have done pretty well, but there's still a couple of players that, um, you know, for example, like Timo Werner, there's somebody had got for half PB and half this summer. So it's been very quiet in his front. So there mm. are a couple of players that I still haven't had the opportunity to sell on a spike yet. But the majority of the players then after, as I mentioned, like Sterling and Messi, it's mainly PB players. But within that, it's a mixture of PB veterans, um, kind of middle, like mid-aged um, PB, kind of current PB players, but then also young players that have the potential to become a PB earner maybe this year or in the next year or two. Um, mm. So it's kind of even within that the kind of PB uh, minded players, there's there's a mixture of the type I'm going for there. Yeah, I my my kind of preparation as such has been it was in May. I was quite ahead of the curve, I think, on a lot of the PB players. Yeah, I was stacking up on I don't know Gomez, Parejo, Canales, 
Um, who else? Brozovic. A lot of the big PB scores. Thiago Mendes. Um, but yeah, Koke as well. I actually had a good bit of him. And it stocked up on them all, and they've all seen good rises. Like they really have seen. Like I'll just look at my portfolio here. Mm. Like even Tony Cruz, like he's up like thirteen p, which is like percentage wise, I don't know, it's about ten percent. Parejo's up sixteen p over ten percent. Gomez is up fucking fifty percent nearly. Um, but recently I've been struggling in. I think whenever I made a bit of money off the IPOs and I've re-put that into like the likes of Sterling at the top and Mbappé recently yeah. and Sancho even. Um, I think my chat with Football Index buzz on like episode two or three. Really, her name's Karen. Her, her outlook on it and the way she looked at it kind of made me rethink. And I don't know how it's going to play out coming into the next season, but I think I kind of like the idea of having people for my own enjoyment and for my own pleasure who aren't sitting stagnant stagnant for long periods of time. And if they are, they're at least giving me something back because that'll keep my interest. And that's more from a personal standpoint. I I'm, I'm don't think yeah. I'm as patient enough to be able to sit and have Koke do nothing in my portfolio for four months and then he finally fires, do you know? So I trimmed a bit of the, the fat off yeah. and only kept people who I really enjoy watching, I suppose, um, who I think have a lot of potential for dividends so I could put those money, that money at the time into IPOs. Um, so I've actually cut a lot back, but I think my portfolio set up pretty well. Yeah. Albeit maybe a bit heavy on the premium asset front for next season. Yeah. So like, like one of the things I was like a conscious effort trying to do was with the players I have, as you say, something about, you know, you know, sometimes you're, you want to keep interested in it. You kind of want to keep uh, kind of tracking your trades or maybe keep flipping and stuff. So within all the players I have, there's a whole mixture of exit strategies. So mm. in the background, hopefully I'll have, um, you know, f- a few bits and pieces of dividends coming through throughout the season. But because the players I've got, there's some that are short-term holds, some that are med- medium-term, some that are long-term. My thinking behind that is hopefully, you know, maybe for argument's sake, every month I could have somebody that I could maybe be cashing in, taking the profit. So I always kind of have profit coming in on a kind of monthly basis through the variety of exit strategies and the variety of players I have. Yeah. Um, that's, that's very interesting because I think that the exit strategy is very important. Yeah. So that's, um, that's something I've just like, I just recently, I don't really want to plug a video, but I, I just put it at a, Oh, right. well I was, you see, I'm Absolutely. at the minute I'm putting together a couple of videos of, um, spreadsheets, which I thought is, you know, a lot of, experienced traders or a lot of people out there are using spreadsheets just because you know you can't get the same level of detail with the website or with the app for example um, mm. and i think it's it's really a, a, i recommend everyone does it and i think beginners should look into it as well um but basically yeah and the the first video was just around a portfolio spreadsheet whereas the second video was all around um it's like a player statistics database where you can identify undervalued players but on the first one the portfolio yeah i just only very recently added in a column all around target percentage, uh, you know, in the exit strategy. And that's interesting. It's very, it's very hard to do, to be honest. Um, but I think forcing yourself to do it, forcing yourself to set a kind of a bracket or a, a percentage bracket that you wanted to fall within, I think as well, it, it might help people be more disciplined. Um, I'd yeah. imagine 
everyone when they've started off they've been a victim of holding somebody too long maybe at a sentimental value or you know especially when you're starting off you kind of have this um you almost kind of like like to almost collect players almost like in a fantasy football kind of the idea like the that big Don, the stamp collector yeah, so, as he's been referred to yeah as. so stuff like that and sometimes you can become attached to a player and you, you you like the look of them in your portfolio with this big rise but so i felt you know setting these target percentages um was very very useful it might help you be more disciplined and just as i said it, it's very very hard to do and it changes per player um so for example a lot of the young players when i was setting target percentages for them it's very hard because they're possibly already at the highest they've been and it's hard to identify mm-hmm. what their actual ceiling can be and especially with younger players there's a lot of a lot more variables whereas when i was setting a target percentage for for example like somebody like you know messi there or maybe another older kind of veteran pb veteran i was like benega you can see what their high was in the last season so at least you have it you can set a target percentage with a little bit more accuracy but regardless of how you do it i think just doing it is so important but do you think right my my view on that would be it's such an ever-changing sort of platform not not necessarily the platform it's the world is changing every day and these players lives are changing every day and everything's changing do you feel that telling yourself you're going to sell when you hit 20 percent could be negative if you if the player in your eyes is still undervalued have you ever went against yourself and said actually i still feel he's undervalued and set a new target or are you very rigid in that no i've made my money i'm out well no that's a very good point um so for the short-term holds the the target percentage probably doesn't uh kind of get reevaluated or change that much or deviate that much whereas i've come back to him again sorry but raheem sterling for example i plan to hold him you know for the duration of the the hold which would be the three years um yeah so every year i'd imagine with somebody like him a long-term hold at least every year anyway or maybe every few months i'd be reevaluating that target percentage because we we can't predict as well you know how much this organic growth of the platform is going to continue you know that mm. that alone is a big factor in the target percentage um so somebody like him the longer term holds i would imagine i'd be reevaluating their target percentage on a six monthly or a yearly basis yeah i think that would be important as well because the last thing you want is to be too rigid i suppose you do need to be a bit fluid but i think having that the percentage is important or having an idea it's something i'm probably guilty of not having um yeah because like starting off um you know, especially when you're buying a young player and you just you're you're very confident they're going to rise, but you sometimes you don't actually ask yourself what do I really think? You know, being quite specific that they get to you, you just know and hope they're going to rise to such and such amount, and then you're yeah. just going to cash out. Um, but now setting, I think, just forcing yourself to set these target percentages is a is a great exercise. Absolutely. Um. We'll move on a little bit. What do you... My next kind of point I wanted to talk about is the recent IPO scandal. Mm. Um, what? How do you feel about it? I think I talked... People probably know my views because I think I talked to Big Don about it in last week's show. What do you think? In terms of the kind of... The, how the process was done? How they handled it. Mm. The fact they didn't change the IPO system whenever it did happen. Whenever they... As I said last week, they released a flawed system and they didn't do it flawlessly. Like, do you think... I'm not trying to be too negative here. I understand there's there's two sides to it and I know they're just trying their best. But I'm just trying to... Like, 
what do you think of that aspect to it? Well, um, I completely understand. Um, so, I, well, first of all, I'm I'm similar to yourself in that this is the first time I've I've been on the platform while an IPO has happened, but I haven't actually participated in it yet. So that was the first one I participated in, just like yourself. But you see, for people that have been on this for a longer time and they've seen the flaws in the system, I completely understand how frustrated and angry they are that, um, especially because it, there was such a delay and the assumption yeah. was the delay is because they're introducing a new system or a new process and then they just roll it out apparently the same way. So I think it's almost like people were misled without it. That, that's what I said on Twitter. It was like, like it's okay if you're not going to change it, lads. But this pause, you have to understand how people are taking that up. You have to yeah. get it. And just posting I-P-O <laughs> and acting like everything's exciting and amazing and wonderful. It's like, at least mention the fact that, look, we tried our best. We couldn't rule it out in time, but there's players we're very excited to get to you. We're going to do this and we're expecting to release a new IPO system in quarter three, 2020. Everyone will be like, Fair enough. Yeah, I completely you know, agree. It's the acting, the elephant in the room. It's like just acting like everything's sweet and it's not. That that's what that's the only bit that annoyed me. I just feel like I feel like they're very prom. I feel it's such a promising company. I feel they can get away with not doing everything flawlessly. They can make mistakes and they can not alter things too quickly. Like they can be given time to improve their technology. What pisses me off is bad marketing and customer. I don't know if it's customer service is the word, but I think it's the marketing yeah. or the PR, the not just being straight up with your customers because people will respect and appreciate that. And they would be much more toler- tolerating of it. Do you know? I think, That's I think opinion. that is, yeah, it's a, it's the lack of updates. I think the, the lack of communication, you know, at times there's just, so there's a radio silence and you, you won't hear about whatever it is let's say it is ipos so something as simple as yeah just an update just a little a little tweet or something or something put in the news section of the website that just updates people and i think that is more what it is it's more so there was no communication so as i said people were on uh, in the off the assumption that the system was going to be refined and then it wasn't um yeah so it's a lack of communication that sometimes it's quite frustrating, especially then after the IPO payments not being paid out and then they're they're sending out uh, tweets or whatever or news things that are unrelated to IPOs and the majority of the top comments yeah. are, here, what about the IPO payments? Well, so, here, mate, yeah. what the fuck's my IPOs? Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking about stuff that's coming up and you haven't even given me my money for stuff in the past. You know, so it's it's very frustrating, I think, because um, especially when all it could take is just a simple message. Yeah, and just while you before we move on about how you, maybe you did on the IPOs, um, I just want to just because we touched on it there, they did just pay out the correction to me and you. Yeah. Um, I'll read the email out quickly, and then I'll just say something. Dear John, on Friday the nineteenth of July, we issued our first IPOs of the summer due to high volumes of trading and traders on the platform. There was an issue with the sell queue function, leaving some traders out of pocket. This is an email to say we're sorry. Today, we've credited those traders with the funds they should have received on Friday. If you have any queries or concerns, get in touch with us. Once again, we apologize wholeheartedly for the inconvenience this has caused. Um, The only thing that annoys me is that maybe I would run a company terribly. And maybe (laughs) I'm just not good at this, right? And maybe I'm a small man with big ideas or something. But I just think 
going almost like the Paddy Parrot of things, having the banter. And if they'd have come out a couple of times during the week saying, Jesus, lads, we're having a fucking nightmare with this. It's going to be another few days. We're terribly sorry. People would maybe kind of get on board and kind of be like, do you know what? They're fucking working on it. They're having a nightmare, but we know they're putting the effort in. It's the radio silence, as you mentioned, that's a bit disconcerting for me. Yeah, it's, you know, everyone makes mistakes. And then especially, I'm not sure exactly how old Football Index is, but it's still relatively new. Um, yeah, you know, so that's even an, another reason that you, you can understand if there are mistakes. It is, as you say, it's just the lack of communication at times. It's very, very frustrating when mm. you know all these traders with a lot of money, owed a lot of money, they're left in the dark, wondering when it's going to come. Um, so yeah, I as as you just said, I received mine as well. So for anyone listening, this, this we're recording this on Friday afternoon, so I just received mine there at like quarter to two. Um, I'd imagine yeah, that's the case then for everyone else has got theirs. Hopefully, there's not a load of people out there that are still waiting. That'll be another um, issue. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this and you still haven't been paid, they've probably fucked up again. <laughs> um, but I imagine you will have been paid. And I'm being really negative, and I don't want to be I negative know, because, because I, I do love the product. Absolutely but... love the product. It's unbelievable, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's frustrating when a simple thing like this can be sorted by a message being like, "Here, sorry, we messed up. It might be a week or two before yeah. we get your payment sorted." Yeah, I just think they could be a bit more active for such a big company. They could be a bit more active communications wise yeah. on social media and stuff. But um, maybe I'm wrong and maybe there's more to it and maybe some PR guy can tell me why <laughs> that they're, they're, they're being like this. But I think it's just because I have no background in it and I think it's so black and white and easy, it just frustrates me that someone who's actually getting paid to do that job doesn't see it. But again, I've said this for the third time now. It's probably me who's wrong. We move on to the, the NASDAQ announcement. Um. Did that excite you or what do you think it could mean for the platform going forward? Is, do you think it's a big deal or do you think it's been blown out of proportion? Or Well, um, when I first saw it, um, I'm not going to pretend I knew exactly what was going on. Um, I am, I'm familiar with actually, you know, I've seen that written, I'm familiar with NASDAQ. But so to me, I think it's, it's a real positive thing. You know, I've looked more into it um, and I just feel that, so whenever, so it kind of relates to what we were talking about, you know, ironing out little issues of customer service and stuff like that. Um, I Up until this announcement and kind of up until recently, I've just wanted Football Index to sort out everything they have at the minute, you know, really streamline and fine tune the product so that there's all these little bugs that were happening with IPOs. And a couple of weeks back, there was uh, media buzz payments that weren't paid out. So I, I was of the mindset that I would just love them to iron out everything, get the product perfect before you start kind of mega expanding. But I'm kind of flipped now the other way because, you know, you do see competitors popping up. Um, haven't looked massively into them, but I know about Footstock and Sports Stack or something like that. Yeah, they're probably the two main um, ones I've heard of. So something like this, them getting a partnership with, nasdaq you know like they're a leading global provider of like i think it's all sorts of services like trading clearing exchange technology um so just to to get an agreement with them i would imagine is a massive blow to any potential competitors to football index and it seriously legitimizes football index i'm sure you've seen people that would still assume that football index is a scam 
So something like this seriously legitimizes it um, just to be using their marketplace technology. Um, so from from reading into it, you know, it, it, my understanding is that like from a technical point of view, the platform and its kind of functionality, it like that that should improve. There should be less bugs. There should be better tech support when there is a bug. Um, there's obviously then the opportunity to better implement new functionality. So after this announcement, then there's been a lot of talks about order books maybe being kind of coming mm-hmm. sooner than people thought. Um, so anything like that. I think now football index are better. They're in a better position now to be able to fulfill any future plans and growth of the platform. Um, so, and then couple that, you know, with, I think it ties in because, you know, this agreement with NASDAQ, the increased marketing, the shirt sponsor with Nottingham Forest, the ads on trains, taxis online, it shows that, uh, it kind of makes me, um, not too angry now whenever they have these little bugs and customer service issues because it says to me that they're putting if not more just a lot of effort into growing the platform and expanding and by doing that you reduce the risk of any competitors overtaking football index so i'm i'm actually quite happy now seeing stuff like that and maybe the the platform itself any sort of issues and bugs can be refined along the way yeah, I think I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, but just kind of couple of, like coming on from what you were saying. My girlfriend's brother runs a very successful company. It's it's a design, like a UX designer type agency thing. Yeah. But like what he often says is getting started is more important than being right. So like a lot of people will sit there and try and wait for the perfect thing and then release it. So there's a lot to be said just for getting started with the flaws, getting it going and working it out along the way. Yeah. Um. So I think... Like, I do like that they're trying to make advancements, even if they maybe they don't have quite the technology for it. But then I do understand there's a lot to be said for getting it done right the first time. It's a hard, it's a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. But I think in regards NASDAQ specifically, it's something I've been saying recently that I feel when I mention to people about Football Index, there there's questions over the legitimacy of it. And that was actually probably my hesitation about joining with adverts. I just felt that it looked a bit, dodgy and i feel the more ambassadors you have on board like Gwilym balag is that his name is that how you say yeah it? yeah something like that uh, my brother just calls him the Spanish uh, guy. ball bag or something but yeah uh, <laughs> <that'll laughs> uh, yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, not, not like, that you know, i don't <laughs> like him i actually do like him but <laughs> uh, yeah he's always spouting on about spanish football but him and John Matson and stuff like that's great for the brand yeah and i think nasdaq having their engine running or whatever is just it's another string to the bow. It's another, it's just another sort of way to legitimize it and to make it look more professional and, so, and make people trust the product. Yeah, that's a um, take I, I had from us. Yeah. I actually, now I maybe jumped the gun and went really too in depth with it, but NASDAQ's a pretty big deal in America, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, they're, 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 they're like a massive. That, they're, they are the, they are the trading over there. They're what they use on Wall Street. Yeah. Am I correct? I think so. Someone's listening to this and saying, listen to these dickheads, trying to act like they know what it is. So, you know, uh, it's an American stock exchange. Um, and it's the second largest stock exchange in the world. I didn't Google that. I knew it. And basically, I got a little excited at the fact that an American company like that, because of obviously their gambling laws and stuff, hmm. and the, there's talks of those all been changed and things because Trump's a fucking mad bastard. And 
I kind of got excited and was thinking like if this was to end up one day um being a thing in America the fact Nasdaq endorses it's obviously huge um so I obviously stocked up in Pulisic because oh. he's the American sweetheart but yeah. that is me <laughs> like an outside the box all, way too ahead of my fucking <laughs> like I don't understand what I'm talking about I'm bluffing it but um anyway yeah um, uh, but I think the, it it's I, I I it's only a positive this it's a it, yeah, the big take I have, it, it seriously legitimizes it, and I would imagine the from a technical point of view, it's it's going to improve greatly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking more on the comms front from Football Index, have you any idea what the announcement's going to be about, and are you planning for it in any way, or are you just going to wait and see? Um, well, yeah, I've seen people are, you know, ban players that they think will fit the stats that they're assuming that will get added to the matrix and people have been um selling players and stuff i'm not actually going to be changing a whole pile like i do understand you know um especially a lot of experienced traders you know they might be preparing their portfolio with pb players for you know since may or april you know a long time a lot a lot of research and time and especially whenever you're doing that amount of research you know you're dealing with um very fine margins you know you maybe you've researched 100 players and you're only investing in 10 of them and the reason being that they slightly edge it so it's maybe something like you know if things are introduced like success with dribbles key passes whatever i yeah that that could have been the difference between investing that person and not investing that person so i do understand the frustration but on the flip side i don't think that it's you know the, what I'm expecting to come in is just going by the survey questions. Is aerial duels successful dribbles and key passes? But I don't think it's going to be that, you know, all of a sudden people that are nowhere near PB, you know, are all of a sudden going to be um, winning. You know, it's not as if like that big lanky guy, Vestergaard, you know, six foot six. It's not as all, all of a sudden just because he, he probably can win a lot of aerial duels, he's going to be bossing the PB matrix. So I think it is yeah. more of the, the fine margins that has got a lot of people frustrated. But um, so it, it's, it's, it's a few announcements. I know they put it out and it said including um, yeah, the, the scoring matrix. So I'd imagine, I'd imagine one thing they're doing is I'd imagine they're going to confirm that APDs are staying. Um, I, I'm off the assumption that they are staying, I think. I've actually, I'm sorry to interrupt, kind of, but when you're saying you're of the assumption, I've seen them confirm in a tweet to someone saying, yeah, they'd be staying. Oh, did they? So I'd imagine, you so know. So I don't get why they haven't just, they're again, comms. I don't get why they yeah. haven't just made a, a post because everyone's asking. Maybe they want more engagement. Maybe they want people asking questions and thinking and talking about IPDs because IPDs, obviously, they skim a bit off the top every time and that's what keeps the fluidity in the market. Maybe it's a very, very clever money-making yeah, scheme. Because from a marketing but point of view, yeah, like sometimes Maybe negative. it wouldn't be talked about as much if it was confirmed. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I seen them, someone emailed them or whatever and whatever it was, it was on Twitter, I seen it, it basically confirmed that they would be staying for the coming season. Like I have no doubt that they're staying. I would be yeah. <laughs> very, very shocked. So I'd imagine it'll just be one of the things written, you know, IPDs are staying yeah. along with a whole list of things. Um, but IPDs, I think, are so important for, you know, I do um, play around with it a bit, IPDs, but it's not a massive part of my strategy. But it's very important for short-term holds and quick flips, which I'd imagine would interest a lot, a lot of new traders that are potentially coming from standard gambling or batting platforms where they're used to a quick a quick win. 
Um, so I think it's very important for that sort of short-term trading. But I'd imagine the, like we touched on there, the PB tweaks, like I think it'll just be tweaks, nothing drastic. I, I think it'll be the introduction then of Ariel Jules' successful dribbles and key passes. And you kind of, by the way they were asking the questions, you know, on the, the second part of the survey, I actually forgot exactly what way the first part of the survey was done. It was at Lombach. But the way they were wording a lot of the questions, you know, what do you award more points to Ariel Jules or tackles one or something like that so you can kind of get a rough idea of what they might introduce these statistics Mm. at in terms of points um and then not only the introduction then but the way they were wording those questions there's then also the possibility that some of the things like one tackles or i think another one that was put up a lot of was accurate crosses was compared with a couple of these stats Maybe there's the possibility that some of them could be reduced or improved by one point, depending on how people answered. Um, mm. But I, I think it'll be, in the long term, I see it's, it's a very good thing. In the short term, it might piss a few people off. It, it might have a negative effect on some of the PB players I bought, but I'm, I'm not majorly concerned, to be honest. But I think it's only a good thing long term. And I think it. Oh, go ahead. You sure? I was going to say, I think the issue might be. That it it's the fact that they're suspending the market means something's going to come out that's going to affect the market. And if they go implementing this now with very little notice to people, I feel like the people that are frustrated that they're changing it have a right to be frustrated. Definitely. However, I think I think if they're doing it, given a few months, is probably is probably fairest um, because everyone will complain that the matrix is wrong. Mm. And everyone will complain whenever the matrix is changed. There's no winning, but you have to compromise and try and meet somewhere. And just changing it last minute, saying, okay, the matrix, is cha- the matrix has changed. Fuck all your prep for the last two or three months. That's not how it should be done. Yeah. Even if you said it's coming in after Halloween or it's coming in at Christmas, that's fine. Or if you say it'll be another season or two, but I think a season or two is too long. Um, yeah. So I think someone's going to be let down, but I think there needs to be a bit of a bit of room for compromise like yeah because even if the changes they bring here to pb even if they're minor like i'm talking really minor it actually doesn't matter it's the fact that they're changing it and it's so close to the start of the season um the fact that people are already um selling some of their players or maybe buying new players that they think might fit the new tweaks um so it doesn't matter if it's a drastic change or the tiniest it yeah it's not good timing at all yeah, so we see how that one plays out. Because I have to say, whenever they, I was doing the survey and they started mentioning accurate crosses and stuff, and I was thinking, if this goes the wrong way, mm. would Luca Digne uh, for Everton be such a good hold? Because he obviously fires in a million crosses a game and stuff. I was thinking, like, should I, should I not sell? I didn't, but there's probably there's other people who definitely probably sold with a similar thinking. And if not in him, in other players. Well, that's it, because... See where they'd be a bit... yeah, like, a lot of people... I've seen a lot of people complaining at the people that are getting angry about it. You know, they're saying, oh, what's the big deal? It's just a few stats. But a lot of the kind of, yeah, as I said, the experienced traders doing a lot and a lot, serious amount of research and statistics. It is the mm-hmm. fine margins that are de- that are deciding whether this player is better than that one. And then they could be putting hundreds into the player they've gone for. So it is a big deal, you know, um, even if it is just minor tweaks. Yeah. Who's your favorite ever player? Oh, ever player? Yeah, ever. Ooh, tired um, or current? Whew. 
Well, currently, I, I just um, I think Messi is just the greatest there is um, and has been. Um, I've been lucky to see see him play live two or three times. Um, but in terms of, I also so I just for record, then I support uh, Liverpool. And one of the things that got me onto them when I was a really, really young kid was I loved uh, Stan Collymore. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he, he was, because that's, you know, whenever you're a wee kid, a lot of times it's a player um, that gets you onto a team. Like all my brothers and cousins, they actually support Aston Villa. Uh, yeah. Reason being, a lot of Irish players played for them at the time, like Paul McGrath. Um, yeah. So I, I just, I took a real liking to Stan Collymore, got into... Liverpool and then obviously you know all your friends either support Liverpool or United so I went with Liverpool um but it's a real it's a hard one I don't I've, I think it might just have to be Messi just because as well when you see him live and also you see the first time I went to see Barcelona live kind of go up we tangent here but um you no, used, you used to be able to so I I went to the new camp a couple of days before the match was on and you could get up right close to where they're they used to train in a different spot and all that was separating you and them was a barbed wire fence and the time i was going it was i think ronaldinho was still there he was injured so i actually didn't get to see him play which i was gutted about because he was he had probably be up there i'm one of my favorite players i think he is my answer like yeah. he's my favorite ever like he even though i uh, think messi is the greatest ever ronaldinho has done stuff with a football that i have never seen any other player do he's almost like a cartoon footballer it's it's weird. Um, it's how much fun he seemed to have when he was on the pitch. Yeah, is what did it for me. The big smile and the cheekiness, and when he chipped David Seaman. Yeah, I was in like P P five or something. Well, I actually I could go back and work it out. I don't know. I was P five or P six, and we were sitting in the assembly hall, and they said they'd put on the England um, Brazil match, mm. and we all got to sit and watch it. And whenever he checked David Seaman, Jesus Christ, that, that's a moment I won't forget. Like <laughs> One thing I'll say, and then even for the viewers, you see, if you go and look at Ronaldinho's first ever goal for Barcelona, it is one of my favourite goals of all time. It is an absolute clinker. It just is brilliant. He, he, and it's an assist from the goalkeeper. Like He picks up the ball in his own half, and the finish is just unbelievable. I'm pretty sure it's his first goal for money that he scored for Barcelona. Um but yeah, as I was saying about it, so I saw them train and Thierry Henry and all was there at the time. And you see the things that Messi does with the ball. It is just, I think it, it's, it goes to another level when you see it live. Yeah. It's just mind boggling. People often say that about players who are outstanding. Like you really, you think they're good and then you see them live and it's like, they're just at head and shoulders above every it's, other man on the pitch. Yeah, it's scary. It's hard to put in words and... Like obviously people still have the debate, you know, Ronaldo, Messi, um Messi, I just don't I don't think Messi is a, or sorry, uh, Ronaldo's a freak of nature. I think Ronaldo might be the greatest goal scorer I've ever seen now, maybe. Um his ability just to be in the right place at the right time and he's turned into a proper centre forward, it's unbelievable. But Messi as an all round player is mm. just a, a level above for me. It's just he's uh, it's hard to explain when you see it live. Yeah. I, I knew he was always my favorite, but when I saw it, li- I saw him live those two or three times. It was just scary, completely. Yeah. It's funny. Just speaking of off the wall picks, and then we'll move on. Someone who I used to love. I think it was because he was. I think he was in the cover of FIFA when I was like ten or eleven, and that's when I started playing FIFA. Edgar Davids. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> oh, him. I. Do you remember he used to wear the goggles? Yeah. 
I fucking loved him. I don't know why. I didn't think he was that good a player. I just thought because he was on the cover of FIFA, I'm pretty sure he was. Oh anyway. no, he was definitely on goggles. Yeah, I was like, what a badass. Oh no, fucking sunglasses yeah. in the pitch. But um, <laughs> uh, they're like proper yeah. cycling glasses, aren't they? The kind of wide ones. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're glued to his face because obviously they need to be. Yeah. Um, we move on there, and something I just wanted to touch on quickly. We'll we'll go through the top movers and fallers of the last seven days. It's something I sort of intended to do when I started the podcast, but just seemed to keep forgetting. Yeah, I keep forgetting to do it. Um, so I think you have the list there yep. uh, of the current risers and fallers of the last seven days. Going through the risers, is there anyone who jumps out at you? I mean, if we're talking percentage wise, we'll maybe talk in terms of pennies because um, obviously the percentages can be misleading if mm. someone's pumped someone. But Eddie and Kida and Kedia, I don't know how you pronounce it, the Arsenal youngster is up forty seven p, which is thirty five point eight eight percent. That's massive. So I think he didn't he score the winning goal in one of those. Um, he's done very well in pre-season, pre-season cups goal, or he's was definitely it? Scored, yeah, yeah, one of them friendly cups or whatever. He scored the winning goal. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's rocking it up, and I'm an agent. I so I bought him when he was about eighty p or something, and sold him at like one twenty or thirty. I think uh. just before <laughs> the boom to free up funds for IPOs <laughs> or something stupid. But um, speaking of IPOs, Troy Parrott and Takafusa Kubo are the second, number two and three. So here's uh, actually, um, this is a frustration then. Of, so obviously, being an Irishman yourself, my, I, the one I wanted most in this whole original IPO, the first half, was Troy Parrott. Um, mm. I was lucky that I had the whole two hours free. I had that day off work. Um so I was able to, just whenever I saw, you know, the first few people didn't really get introduced until about half 10 or later. I think Troy Part maybe came in closer. He was definitely in between 11 and 12. But um, yeah. so I had, I had got on, the first person I got on was at Elliot Ambledon, made a profit on him, sold him, got a, I think before him was actually a Carlos Vinicius, got on him, made a profit. Yeah, I, the one, I did the same with him. Yeah, the one after that was Timu uh, Pucky, him, or however you pronounce it. Um, so yeah. there's three players I made a profit on, but I didn't get all the payments, so I didn't have enough money in my balance. And I Troy Part came up, and I saw him very very quickly, but just didn't have the money. So that was a very uh, a frustration, which I'd imagine would have been the case for a lot of people if they didn't get their payments, they didn't have the budget to buy too. the next player. So that was a kick in the teeth. Yeah, I did it with Vinicius. I don't know what I get into him at, and then with Everton. Suarez, I got in. I don't know where I got in. Probably around the one thirty mark, and shipped them on at one seventy something. And I only seen today that I got seventy five quid back, so I made seventy five quid in minutes from those two trades. Mm. Um, but that was seventy five quid that wasn't in my balance, which to me is substantial enough. And Kubo came up, and I got on him at one fourteen, which is pretty fucking fast mm. considering the prices went to. And all I had in my account was enough to buy seventy two futures in him. Which was at the time what like eighty quid or something. But if I had had the other money there, I could have bought the same again. That's it. So yeah. I got done out of you could say eighty quid or something. Yeah. But so it, look, it is what it is. Yeah. I thankfully had more money in my bank account, stuck in a couple of few, and I was like, I'm not getting stung again. This is printing money, so I stuck like three hundred quid in, mm. and Troy Parrot popped up, and I got on him at sixty four p and bought just three hundred. I probably should have bought more, but that is beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah it was honestly like whatever you say about the ipos and the fact they can change them and all the rest 
I did all right. So I find the overall flawed um, system. I find it all okay too. I was surprised that um, I didn't think I'd be able to get on some of the players as early as it did. Um, I un- yeah, I think what the big change this time is that there's 900 futures required to shift the price. That's so a good point. When before it was only 300, people were buying them in one transaction or very very fast anyway, and um. Yeah, so it's, it's slowed it up a bit, but I do get people's frustrations if you don't have the morning off work, if you have a life outside it, the because there's definitely fairer ways to do it. Yeah. However, if you put the effort in, because that morning wasn't fun for me, I sat in bed for two hours on my phone, typing in fucking Parrot mm. 4,000 times, Do you know. It's not exactly hard work, but it's mind-numbing and it paid off, you know. But um, Yeah, and as you say, like... Most people, most traders are probably working. I was lucky I had the day off, but, um, and then it's a two-hour window that you don't know when they're introduced. I think, maybe, I'm mm. not sure I'm correcting this, but one time in the past, the IPOs, there was like two times that they were released, you know, like, and like a, so therefore you could take a break, you know, four or five or 10 minutes from work, and you could, you would know that they would have been introduced at, say, one o'clock, so you could take a break from five to one to 10 past one or whatever um yeah i'm not sure i think i read somewhere that's the way it worked whereas this one obviously it's a two-hour window and you just have to be ready yeah you have to just sit and mind-numbingly search yeah uh is there anyone else jumps out at you cuisance has jumped up 30p i've seen him mention a lot on twitter i actually haven't looked into him because i think by the time i heard about him he'd already jumped up a substantial amount and i thought i'm not getting involved there Mm. but well, somebody jumps out to me just because he's on my kind of watch list. I haven't just haven't got the opportunity to get on him. Would be Damerve. Um, he's just below yeah. him is there. Is he at Leverkusen? Is this? Yeah, so he's gone from Hoffenheim now to Leverkusen. Um, so obviously an upgrading team, playing with better players and PB wise, he was um he doesn't hit you know very very high, uh, top PB scores, um, but his average and his baseline is very impressive. So surely you know it's a it's only going to improve and you know he, that rise of him i think even if you look at the seven days before this one's we're looking at now i think he does have a rise as well he's been steadily rising the last month mm. um i think a lot of, a lot of these people we could talk about they're quite boring i'll just fly through the names you've got when i'm saying they're boring they're for very obvious reasons most of them because they've scored a goal in preseason yeah literally you've got like uh Tammy Abraham, Danny Sabalos. Um, do you think he's a good signing for Arsenal? He's actually one of the more interesting ones. He's up nineteen p, which is eleven percent, nearly twelve. Well, definitely, I think he's he's definitely a talent, and it shows. You know, if Real Madrid are loaning them out and not selling, you know, Real Madrid are pretty confident in his ability too. Um, so no, nah, he's a quality player, and people got to see that in the under twenty ones. Absolutely, there's Mesodozil, Gonzalo Guides. Marshall, Greenwood and Brewster aren't slowing up either. 11.5%, both of them. They seem to just be keeping up with each other. Exact, Almost the same, 11.48 and 11.45%. Um, we know why they're rising. Yeah. Pre-season, all the rest. There's no point really getting into it. Angel Gomez, another one, pre-season. Erling Braut Haaland. Um, is he the kid who scored a million goals? I'm honestly not Nine even goals 100% sure who that is, to be honest. Neither am I. Um, probably should know more probably should have researched it but i didn't um then there's just joe willock rodrigo milinkovic savic obviously for his links to united yeah. ronaldo due to his rape allegations being cleared yeah. 
the last one who interests me in the, the risers is maybe David Neres. Has he been linked with someone? I'm actually or not did sure. some big fish um, just like him? Yeah, that's that, yeah, because I know um I know recently like Kevin De Bruyne shot up and it was because somebody just dumped thousands into him. Um, it could yeah. be that because yeah, because the there was a few in the same day. Yeah, so I, I haven't actually seen any sort of updates on David Neres. Um, didn't realize he had actually risen by ten percent. That's a decent chunk. It could be. I see here it says um, from twenty two hours ago, Everton think they can get Ajax's David Neves for forty five million. Now that might not be at all why he rose, but there's a couple of Everton articles here. Yeah, so they're also going in big for Zaha apparently too. Yeah, seen that. Um, so hopefully they, they could make an exciting signing very soon. The biggest fallers then, uh, we have Marco Asensio, who obviously had a horrible injury. Awful. I doubt he's listening, but if you are, Marco, all the best <laughs> with your recovery. Because I can relate, because um, I've I've completely torn my ACL before. Jesus. And yeah, I have happened nearly about a year and a half ago, and I haven't played football since. It's literally the mental mentally it damages you. Um. It's an awful injury. Jeez, I can't explain how sore it is. Is it the lack of confidence in the in the knee itself going forward, or is it actual pain you have? No, no, it's um, pain. Now it's gone. The pain kind of goes. Yeah, if you do all your proper exercise, you know, it's it's all it's all on you to do it. But after nine months, you're usually completely recovered. No, it's just it's yeah. just a mantle block. I think, you know, I injured it. Um, it was like a. It was on a November, you know, so it was winter time, real cold, hard ground. My foot was planted and like oh, Jesus, the sound of it, twist. I looked down, expect my leg to be in two. It, the, like the sound of it is like a leg breaking. Um, Ugh, and it was just, yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you see it all the time football and it's one of them ones that turns you and you're like, oh Jesus, imagine that happened to you. And then it did happen to me. Um, so now nah, I think I'm, I might go back because it is warmer weather, but maybe stick to five aside <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhere where nobody can get a lot of pace up to tackle me. And I'll be letting everyone know I've got an injury before I start too. <laughs> but mentally mm-hmm. it is a big mental block. Absolutely. Um, well, look, that that's obviously the reason for his drop. Yeah. Reese Nelson, I think, dropped because he didn't go in preseason and because he's been linked away. Um, Nabil Fakir, obviously, he's away to Betis now. The Liverpool links and whatever are gone, so people are dumping him. Bukayo Saka, he's the Arsenal player, isn't he? Did he get injured or something, or why is he dropping? Not 100% sure, actually. Um, is he, the, he is the Arsenal Saka, is he? Yeah, he is, yeah. Did he have, a, yeah. Did he have an injury then, did he? I don't know if he had an injury or what. People are listening to us. How do they not know he did this? But look, <laughs> it's whatever, hard to like, keep up with all the players. There's a lot we're going through here. Coutinho's dropped. I'd imagine that's because he's not coming back to the Premier League. Well, he might, but I I think it's kind of been squanched that he'll stay there, is it? Yeah, well, I'd imagine or a lot of PSG. people are just getting impatient as well. And, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's just been quite quiet. His price probably has been stagnated a bit, I'd imagine. The thing there is, though, as well, all it would take, I'd say, to get someone who's that... It's like your Timo Werner-type player where they've been stagnant for quite a while yeah. now. Werner for substantially longer than Coutinho, who are getting fed up. If some big fish drops 2,500 shares and the price goes down by 2 or 3p and then someone else does a few and it's down by 4 or 5p, people will start to panic and they'll Google, they'll find some dodgy article which has no real credentials and they'll just be like that must be why and they'll sell and get out yeah it's just a snowball um, effect as you say if, yeah, if some big it trader starts it yeah um we'll go down to the the other ones who've dropped five percent or more the only ones here kajana hover don't know who that is to be oh, honest he's with the you. Has- young guy plays for 
Liverpool, he played a game actually last season. He's like only 16 or 17 centre-back. Um, yeah. But I'd imagine maybe it's just because he, I don't think he's featured in just as many pre-season games as people yeah. thought. Hakim Ziyech, he must have, it must be that he's staying at Ajax for another season or at least until January. Yeah. Maybe. I'd imagine, uh, yeah. Ferran, Ferran Torres. Daniel James. Wonder why he's down so much. He's been on preseason a lot. Maybe it's because he hasn't scored. Yeah, has he scored? Well, Did he score? I don't think so. I think we we surely would have heard about it if he scored. Maybe he did. Um, um Hakimi's down. Delict's down. Probably off the back of his own goal, and also just the fact that he's at Juventus in general. Bruno Fernandez. People are probably starting to feel that he's not gonna actually make the move. And Billy Gilmore's down 4.38%. Do you have anything to say on any of them? Or well, Bruno Fernandez, yeah, it was because I think it was either yesterday or the day before Sky Sports came out saying that my United have killed their interest. Um, so mm. that was his big drop. That would be enough to do it to you, wouldn't yeah. it? Um, let me think. Yeah, I think that's that's all the risers and fallers. And we, we briefly just brushed over them and why it might have happened. Um, we don't know about half of them, but look. It is what it is. Um, we'll move on to a few questions from the community and see if we can get through a few of them. And we've one here from Piker. How have Ireland bowled England out for 85? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you follow cricket at all. I 100% do not, but I do know what he's referencing. Oh, I know um, what he's referencing, but I do not uh, follow cricket in the slightest. <laughs> I watch a serious no, amount of sport, but cricket is... its It's got a lot to do to be getting into stuff I'm watching <laughs> yeah but you know what anything Ireland beat England and I can get behind so oh, yeah, yeah. I have no real idea but I'm pretty sure England won the World Cup and we beat them in cricket <laughs> so I'm pretty sure we're kind of like honorary world champs for the minute or something it's kind of like San Marino beating France in football <laughs> yeah. do you know it shouldn't happen and I don't know how it happened like a, maybe yeah. they had a second team out like or something like in fairness in the last couple of years I've heard more about their Ireland cricket team because they must be improving slightly but um, yeah so sorry Pecker that we can't really answer your your question yeah. i'd say i'd say uh I'd, act, I'd say the irish guys just get so riled up for playing england that it's like oh yeah yeah they're just it's like to england it's just like we're playing these fucking drunk chumps <laughs> from across the road but to us it's like this is our world cup final we're gonna beat you yeah, bastards <laughs> do you know <laughs> um football index buzz who asked have you guys looked at sports stack yet and if so should football index be worried well no i haven't actually looked at it but kind of what we touched on um relating to the that nasdaq um announcement i i think that should alleviate any fears people have about other competitors um so that an agreement like that and then just the sheer increase in the marketing um surely that's squashing a lot of the the hopes of these competitors so honestly i am literally never even worrying about it. i never even get a second's thought about competitors maybe i do in fa yeah i mean i've seen it and i think it looks really really clean the app looks incredible the way they've kind of marketed oh, really? it i yeah if you look if you google it it looks very clean i think it'll be i could be completely wrong but based on looking at it it looks like it'll be a bit more immediate and kind of almost ipd ish i don't really oh, know okay. though because I was Googling it. I was finding it really hard to actually find anything on it, um, to be honest with you. I don't think they've actually launched it yet. I think it's coming out in like quarter four, 2019. So there's, I don't even think you can like sign up or anything yet. Maybe I'm an idiot, but I did see the question and had a Google and looked around. And if it's a bit difficult for me to find out 
more about it i imagine it's difficult enough for other people to yeah um, but what i have heard is it's it's backed by an ex-goldman sack traders now i don't know how good a trader they were or what they did mm. i mean you could go as an intern and work there for a week and say you're an ex-goldman sack trader i mean i don't actually know maybe it's a proper big time guy behind it or a girl i don't know but um while we're on the topic, here is my sports stack golden ticket invite. Sports stack is only joking. Did you did you did you see every dickhead post that in the world Jeez, the other day? You couldn't not. Fuck my Twitter was just polluted with it. I know, I know. I was gonna pretend and go through the whole thing there, but <laughs> I think I think I gave enough. But just in case you are wondering, uh, it's at sportstack.com forward slash question mark kid equals eleven to BM. I'm only joking. <laughs> I took it too far, but um no, I was actually laughing my head off because it's one of those things it's it's FOMO. Everyone was afraid to miss out. But um Well I think one thing worth mentioning is um so if we're talking about people still doubting the legitimacy of football index, can you imagine then what people are surely the sports stack and foot stack are being doubted way more than football index um so even that would surely give football index the advantage you know they look a bit more legitimate now yeah absolutely uh it's such a hard kind of river to navigate mm-hmm. and i think football index have struggled their way through to this point it'll be a real struggle for anyone else but i mean there's definitely more room for them there's more room for for more products it'll just be tougher i think whenever you have the pioneer in a certain um you have the first person to do something properly it can be hard to compete with them yeah um but yeah uh so i'm not to answer it really i'm not actually that worried i don't think it'll really overlap that much yeah. but um i am excited about it i've got like 15 free shares in ronaldo messi and Mbappé or something for making up fake email addresses so <laughs> There we go. <laughs> FI Jack wants to know what inspired you to start your channel and documenting your trades through your videos. Uh, so, well, as can, we kind of touched on off, off air, but there's a few things that kind of contribute to this. You know, firstly, um, from a football index point of view, I just felt that there wasn't many people making the videos, putting out the content on YouTube. Um, like YouTube's such a ridiculously massive platform, growing rapidly. Um, but I was surprised by the how little people were on it. And I'm talking more about active. Um, you know, people have put up a football index video, you know, about a year ago and they haven't done any since. You know, in terms of active mm. ones, there's not that many doing it. Everyone is very familiar with football index guide. Um, but I just felt there was there's such a big gap there that needed to be filled. And I've noticed now in the last month or two a lot of new a lot of new channels. Um, but it was it was that and also you know, I, I, I like to consume a lot of content, you know, with videos. So I'd be reading the forums and Twitter and all, trying to research and improve my knowledge in football and next. But I was also using YouTube. But one of the things I thought was missing was people actually going in depth into their trades, you know, covering everyone from the, the entry point, the reasons for ban, the potential growth and value of the player and the exit strategy. So I find that was really hard to find. And I find that that's what you want when you're starting off you know you don't a lot of times you don't know why people are certain prices you don't know why you should be banned Mm. certain players so i decided to you know start off kind of documenting my portfolio all the new trades and the good thing about it was a lot of the videos i was putting out of these new trades they were people that i've just got on in the last week or two so it kind of opened up the idea that any viewers could if they agreed with the kind of reasons i was putting across that they could 
also invest in the player and we'd also we'd almost be in the trade together and you know i clearly identify when my exit strategy is so it's not as if i'm doing a video and it's going to be a pump and dump for example um it's a pump but not a dump essentially <laughs> but yeah. like no but like that not in a bad way i think pe- people can say pump and it's just often referred to as negative but like if you think a player's undervalued and you're putting your own money in i mean there's not yeah like that, every like pump, pumping and dumping is should be frowned upon but everyone pumps their own players you know like it, there's no point in denying it you know it should be that way because like why, why would you buy a player if you didn't actually feel he was well obviously if you're pumping and dumping you're pumping them because you want to spoil other people's fun and take all their money. But if you're just pumping, yeah, there's nothing really wrong with that. I mean, I pump Raheem Sterling all the time, but it's because I genuinely believe in him and over 10% of my portfolio is in yeah, him. Yeah, you're so literally you know, just... It's um, not like I'm lying to people. Yeah, you're literally just putting your money where your mouth is. Um, yeah. You know, so you know, nine times out of 10, people, when they recommend a player, you can be pretty confident that they either hold them or they plan to buy them. So you know, so and if someone is popping their own player, they have their portfolio. It's yeah, it's just they're putting their money where their mouth is. That's the way I look at it. But you know, in tread with caution. Yeah, and saying that anyone that is pumped and dumped, um, or anyone anyone that's being recommended at all, the only way to identify whether that player is a pump and dump or a genuinely undervalued player is by doing your own research. Um, you know, mm. you should never. Everyone will get stung once or twice starting off, but you should never just go off somebody's recommendation without looking into it yourself. But um, so that that was the kind of angle I had. I was kind of documenting my journey, but also there's a variety of other videos, you know, like kind of like in like a, there's a tips and guides series, for example. Um, there's a shopping list series where I collaborate with another guy who's doing YouTube videos on football index, and like going forward, there will be a watch list um series which actually will be all about players that i don't own um as i said earlier i've kind of i've kind of already prepared my portfolio there's not a whole pile of well there won't be many at all any kind of new additions in the next couple of months so it will just be there's a whole list of players i've identified on my watch list so it would be more videos on them and then the the kind of second angle coming in to the reason for doing YouTube was just because I love to kind of like this, just love to talk about football index. Like we all do. Mm. We love to read and listen and watch about it. Um, and I really love the whole research and statistics side of it. You know, that's the kind of basis for all my trades. And I, I just love that side of actually researching all of that. Um, like years ago, I used to be mad in the football manager. Um, love the whole yeah. research and statistics side. And also, Used to enjoy fantasy football. Used to do it every year with a load of friends and guys from work and won money there. And in a way, football index to me is just a better version of those, um, almost more real, yeah. more tangible. And then, thirdly, like I'd, I'd kind of match the offer, you know. So I I work in marketing at the minute, but on the side, I'm a, an artist. You know, I do commission paintings and drawing and photography for clients. So since I was a kid, like, you know, I've been very artistic and creative. Um, and then you combine that with my job now and digital marketing, the kind of technological side of things. It just, everything came together as a real nice mix. And, you know, I love to make videos. So it really, it was a real good opportunity just to finally make my YouTube channel. And I love the whole, yeah, statistics side of it from Football Index, but also the creative um, stuff, which if anyone follows me or watches the videos, you know, you'll see the graphics I put together, you know, so that's my, 
like an artistic creativity background coming in that's it's it's become very helpful in that regard very good we'll we'll cover two more questions but before we do that i'd say plug yourself and, and tell us about where we can find you and more about your youtube channel and your twitter and everything else because people are still listening at this stage and yeah i know i'm i'm, I'm fucking you's over here lads you have to listen <laughs> to connor tell us about himself because if i put it at the end i know you're going to tune off so connor tell us all right. about yourself and i know i know they're going to hit forward 30 seconds <laughs> i know they're going to fucking do it but if you don't uh, anyway. listen very carefully <laughs> no i am um, so on on youtube i'm just called football index manager um and it's the same on twitter whereas that the handles fa underscore manager but so i i mightn't be known to a lot of people because as i said i've only kind of done the social media side of it in the last month but the it's actually been growing really really well the, the videos and the statistical graphics have been really well received um so yeah i'm just if if you're into that sort of thing and you know, myself, there's a new person doing this on YouTube, so which I think there there was a big demand for this sort of content. So if it is something you're interested in, please have a look. I'm not gonna tell you to subscribe, but you know, you should. <laughs> I'll tell you, just fucking subscribe. <laughs> <It's> fucking <dead. laughs> and subscribe to me and leave me a fucking review. I'm doing this for free. Please just do it. It means a lot. I'm I'm fed up being nice, uh... you fuckers. <laughs> Um, you're listening every week for fucking free. Just leave me a review, please. Uh, anyway, enough of the aggression. It comes out when I'm with other Northern Irish people <laughs> or people from the north of Ireland. That's how I call it. Football index addict. I don't think it's FI addict. It's a different guy. Coco Bet 2 wants to know what your opinion is on dividends. Will FI increase them or keep them at the current rate? Also, what's your worst trade? Uh, so I, well, I think this should be increased. Well, uh, I think, I think I should, the <laughs> should be increased, but I can't see it happening anytime soon. Um, I'd imagine though, there could be an increase maybe for the 2020, 21 season, the following season. Um, in terms of tr- bad trades, like I'm not just me, I, I, I actually haven't had a bad, like a standout bad trade, rather kind of like a, a series of slightly unsuccessful trades, particularly in my first month of training. Or, or trading, sorry, mm. but arguably, you know, training or trading, it's kind of yeah, both. it's actually both applicable. Um, but arguably, you learn more from the early mistakes than you do the wins. Um, my worst trades, yeah. So the my worst trades would probably actually be trades that I planned to do but never did, or perhaps trades where I sold at the wrong time. So to give you an example, you know, I've been getting on a lot of players in the last month to two months particularly you know mainly pb players but also just people that look very undervalued so one of them there was divac Origi. you know so i knew you know, yeah. being a liverpool fan it was you know well, everyone kind of knows that salah Firmino, and manny are going to be late to pre-season but i knew this ages ago and i knew they would probably miss one or two of the opening games um and as i say in the past few weeks i've been buying players but it's because of my limited budget it's a very it's a priority system so i have to just you know, there's 10 people that are at the top and maybe Divock Origi was their 11th or 12th person on the priority list, for example. You know, I can't buy them all. But at the time, you know, Origi was around 70p and he's risen to eight in a month. So that's a 38p rise, which is over 50%. So I could have made an easy short-term flip there with 50%. So I actually haven't had any bad standout, you know, standout bad trades. It's it's more stuff like that that I see as bad trades, not actually uh, going with your gut and doing it. Or, but then the flip side of that is the money that I 
put in the Devagarigi. It did go in, or I didn't put into him. It went into somebody else. They haven't seen as much of a rise as 50%, but, you know, so it's not as if I missed out completely on 50%. But, yeah, that's the way I'd kind of look at the my worst trades, the ones that I actually haven't done. Yeah. I think I have a few. The only ones that I probably haven't done, if I look at my list that I added people to but didn't act on in the last month, would be is it Jovelovic or something? Jovelovic. Ah, uh, yeah. He's up like 30% since I added him. And Asano, the he's the Asian uh, Arsenal youngster, um, hasn't really hit the heights, but he's very cheap. He was like 17p, and I was thinking, he's going to raise above 17p. Mm-hmm. And I love those really ch- cheap guys who are really, really cheap. And you can get like 300 futures for 30 or 40 quid. And they can rise by 5p. They can rise, if they rise a penny, they're rising like 5% at times. Yeah. And it's like, it's huge. Um, I, I kind of like those. I could have made a quick 20 or 30% there, but that's just missed opportunities. In terms of my worst trade, I've mentioned Bentaleb a few times in the podcast. I don't want to talk about him again. He breaks my heart. <laughs> and uh, my opinion on dividends is, it would not surprise me if this announcement coming up was to increase PB dividends slightly or something. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't expect it, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, well, another thing with the announcement that I have a feeling they could do, they, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a new promotion as well to, to yeah. entice new traders for, you know, to join for the upcoming season. For the new you know, season. Maybe something similar to that uh, try January. You know, whether it was yeah. if you, did, you get your money back if you didn't make a profit and apparently... Uh, the new users, you know, it, it rocketed during January. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if someone... Yeah, one of them. Oh, right, very good. So there's the... the well, like very, fun. very early January, late December yeah. kind of time. And I'm pretty sure I got caught in that. I don't actually know if I did, but... Um... Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if they done something like that, especially because Media Madness and, um, you know, something just to entice new traders. Yeah. Um. Something which would be interesting now, this is me proper spitballing off the bat, haven't thought of this yet. Do you know I had Media Madness for the, the summer? Now, I know that's to make the summer more interesting because it's quite a boring time for football mm. enthusiasts. For a wee like, boost for the first start of the season, would it be crazy? Instead of permanently increasing dividends to do something like an, an IPD boost or something for new traders to get that kind of initial endorphin rush? I don't know, that might make people sign up. Something like I would be two P IPDs yeah. instead of one P. Um, I don't know. Yeah. There's probably a lot of negatives to that, but I don't know. I'm just throwing it But it's there. something you wouldn't be surprised at if it, you know, no. did happen. But I I'm, I wouldn't, I would expect maybe some sort of something to entice new traders to join. Yeah, absolutely. The last question we'll go at, because I think we've pretty much covered it, but just very quickly to touch on it for FI, FPL addict. A lot of people are addicts to football index, but the sounds of things, it's the third <laughs> FI addict I know of. Yeah. Anyway, what do you see happening this year in the platform with NASDAQ on board, which we touched on? Also, I saw a mention by Adam Cole of potential to be regulated by the FCA. Being a financial instrument would change tax-free status. Can't see that happening anytime soon. Therefore, any thoughts? Yeah, well, the second part of it, um, not going to pretend to know what really is being asked there. Um, I'm not sure about that side of it, but... You know, what we touched on at the start about just the agreement in place from NASDAQ, it's it's a real, real positive. Um, it just shows how it shows Football Index's plans of expansion and their growth. And it, it's looking like they could corner the market and, you know, squash these other ones like we've touched on. Foots, 
footstock mm-hmm. and sports stack. Um, but in terms of the other things I got, um, the kind of more detailed side of it, not a hundred percent sure to be honest. My quick take on it would be, and I know FCA, at least I think FCA means Financial Conduct Authority, yeah. but I'm pretty sure the crux of the matter there, I don't really know a lot about this, is basically that you'd be liable to pay in taxes. Um, that would be, in my opinion, absolute fucking mayhem, disaster, end of the world for Football Index. Like, Having to pay capital gains tax is no joke. Like, I mean, it's like 33% in Ireland and 28% in the UK. That's substantial considering your ROI. If you have an ROI at 33%, you're doing well. Can you imagine you have to pay your 33%, 33% of your profit to the, the tax? Yeah, plan? and then would that it's, be also, you would have to pay tax on the dividends, for example? If you were withdrawing yeah. them, I'd say. I don't think you'd have to pay it on receipt. I think it would be on withdrawal. I don't know. I don't know enough about yeah. it. Um, You'd imagine that something like that wouldn't come in. That would be, Jesus, that would be massive. Yeah, I think they. it's very, very important they remain a gambling platform, and I think they will. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of what actually dictates what's a gambling platform and how much it becomes more of a financial actual stock exchange or market based on the fact you're getting paid dividends and stuff. I don't know. I don't know if it's a gray area because it's kind of like a first. I don't know if it's if there's actual loopholes or if there's strict regulations about it or whatever, yeah. I don't know enough to talk about it is basically what I'm getting at. Other than that, if people start getting taxed, it's a fucking disaster yeah. because not only are people getting taxed and not making as much money, it's a big deterrent. The thought of having to file tax returns and just deal with that shit. Uh, people don't want that. And if something's already a bit confusing for them, like that's enough to, for you to just say, nah, fuck it. I'll leave it off. I'll go and stick my accumulator. Yeah. On. It'd be a disaster. As you say, I just, but gee, I can't see anything like that coming in, but if it did, uh, I don't even know. That would be massive. Yeah, yeah I But, um, Connor, I think that's that's all we've really, well, time for, and we've covered all the questions, and I think we, we talked about a lot of interesting things. Have you anything you want to talk about before we before we head off, or anything we missed? No, I don't think so. Um, I will, I'll t- I have to give yourself a bit of praise, I have not just because I'm, oh, I'm on the podcast, but, um, you know, you're only, is this your fifth episode, or sixth, maybe? I think this is episode five. Um, yeah. Like really, um, when I was listening to the first couple, you wouldn't have got that impression at all. It really, it Thank really you. comes across like you've been doing this for a while, and you know there aren't many people doing this podcast side of things of football index. And as we know, podcasts are getting very, very popular. So I think the work you're doing here is great. Um, I kind of always make a point of anyone that is, I think, helping the football index community, not just beginners, but also just experienced. Uh, traders you know who like to talk and listen to it um i always think you know you you, you de- where praises you you know you you deserve it um you know well, i'd like to much. think that i'm trying to be one of these ones that can help the community um so i think we're all doing great things so now i've just had to big up your podcast it is very very good thanks very much i do appreciate that and it's like although it, it's kind of funny and i'm having the banter silly fucking reviews it it literally is like do you know because it's not like i'm i don't know about other people i know like fig and stuff probably has sponsorship because he's so big and if you're listening to me and not him you probably should listen to him too because he's kind of like me except 10 times bigger or 50 times bigger i don't actually mm-hmm. know but um and trading bear is the only other one who i really know of um 
I'm not getting any money for this. So like it is those little comments and engagement from the community that kind of keeps you motivated, yeah. do you know, because if people aren't engaging and you're not getting anything back, it's kind of like you're talking to a wall and it's, uh, it, I, I find like praise like that. And thank you very much. That that's very motivating for me. Oh, no, it's, you're, you're completely and, right. As in, um, you know, like I've only been doing that for a month, you know, Twitter. And so only for a month yet of somehow, I don't know how there's over 400 followers and, it's harder to get subscribers on YouTube, but even at that four weeks on it and there's over 100, you know, it's real promising. But as you say, if you weren't, um, if people weren't supporting, you know, it, you would doubt yourself and especially when you're doing it in your own free time and it takes up a lot of time depending on what you're doing. So it's, it is always great when you get supported. So yeah, give them a fucking review. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking do it. Uh, yeah, no, no. Um, and again, like you've praised me, honestly, it's the same for you. I really enjoy seeing whenever your things pop up because they are colorful and like you can tell there's thoughts went into it and that it, it jumps out at you and I like it. It's pretty to look at and there's actually, it's not just pretty to look at. There's, there's informative, good information there and your, your videos on YouTube and it's a bit of a different kind of take on it than others may have done before. So it's very interesting. And I think people should definitely go and look at like the whole, the different series you're in the watch list and things coming yeah, up. Thanks very much. Um, yeah. So I think that's, uh, that's all we've time for. This is our longest podcast yet. <laughs> Don't know if that's a good thing it's or a bad thing. <laughs> because the conversation was so good. It was on point on fleek. It was flowing, but, um, look, Connor, thanks again for your time. And I'm sure we'll talk again. Yeah. Thanks very much for having me. No worries. All the best. Cheers.